the lead pastor here. Thank you so much for being here. If it's your very first time, I want to say welcome. Also want to make sure that you know, oh, got a hum if I go up that far. And I'm out. I'm in the East Bank. I'm on the West Bank. Is there a hum now? No? Okay, good. Uh, so <clears throat> if you're first time here, make sure you get a t-shirt. We have t-shirts back there. If it's your first time here and you didn't get a t-shirt, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, we got everybody. What? There is a hum. There is a hum. They're saying there is a hum. Is it me, though, or is it the, that one we're checking? All right, thank you very much. Wow, so that song, um, that stand st- song, really just gets me. This, this past week, um, this has nothing to do with the message, but uh, this past week, I, uh, I was praying. I was talking to God about, you know, personal things, you know, sin issues in my life. And I'm like, God, why would you forgive me for this? This has nothing to do with the message today, by the way. It's free. It's just for you, just to peer into my life. And I said, why would you forgive me of this thing? It's something I've done. I walk away from. I come back to again. You know, Paul talked about this in the Bible, right? He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do is what I wind up doing. And I'm the same. We're all the same. And, um, and I found myself in that position this week. And I said, well, God, why, why would you forgive me? It just, it just doesn't make sense that you would forgive me of this. You know, logically, I should be punished. And I, I, I maybe was looking for a punishment. I'm not sure. But, but I, just as clear as I'm sitting here, I felt the Holy Spirit say in my heart, you know, you're using the wrong L word when it comes to forgiveness. And I said, the wrong L word. And he said, it's love. It's not logic. Forgiveness is given out of love. And so this morning as we sit there and sing a song about, you know, the wretchedness of us, then what can we do? What can we say, really? It's a free gift that's given to us, this love. And it was just overwhelming and so this week has been a wonderful week that i've just spent loving god because he doesn't forgive me because he has to he doesn't forgive me because i've done something or i've earned it he forgives me because he loves me so anyway that's free that has nothing to do with the sermon today i'm just you know i just get messed up we start listening to the song or singing songs like that you know it just takes me to takes me to good places i love jesus i love jesus so anyway, so this is the third week we are in this series of Socks and, Je- or Socks and Jesus. Man, Socks and Underwear. See, it's going to happen. It's just going to happen. I've done it. I've lost it. You, you guys don't understand. There are people in this room. I'm not going to point at them. Um, they're, they're over here somewhere that like count my mistakes and then harass me about my mistakes. You know, like when I said the, the duck goes wolf. Man, I've not lived that down at all. So <clears throat> anyway, so there's number one for all you out there. But we are in our third week of this series uh, surrounding the Christmas story, and um, specifically we've been underscoring how God gave us exactly what we needed uh, at Christmas, right? Not necessarily what we wanted, not what we were looking for, but exactly what we needed. And uh, sometimes I th- we think we know what we want, but we don't always um, know what we need. And so uh, we're going to talk today about the gift we can receive because of that first Christmas, right? And uh, we've been using John 1 as the basis for our study. Uh, and in the first part of that chapter, it talks about the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, right? That's Emmanuel. That is God with us. That's what Jesus did. He's God who stepped off the throne and became a man and dwelt with us. So that name Emmanuel was ascribed to him, which literally means he's with us. He was here. He was just like Rob sitting on the front row here. Maybe even looked like you. I'm not sure. We think he had a longer hair and a beard, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So he became flesh. So we're going to jump into the scripture today. If you're here and you need a Bible, please just raise your hand and let us know. We have Bibles that we will give you. These are gifts for you to take home and you can keep. We've got uh, hosts that are looking for you and we'll give you a Bible. Just keep your hand up so we can see. We've got one over here. Anybody else need a Bible? Anybody? Anybody? This is for you to take home, okay? Write your name in the front of it. Write in it. It's your Bible, okay? Take it. But we are in John 1. We'll also put the verses up here on the screen. 
And uh, if you'd like to catch up in the series, by the way, you can listen to our podcast. They're all posted on our website, uh, and you can get caught up with this. And uh, there'll be a blessing to you sharing with your friends on Facebook and whatever. So, all right, so we are in John 1, 11 through 13, and it says, He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so this week I want to focus on, on the part of the verse uh, that, that says, To all that received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. The only way to celebrate the gift of Jesus is to, or to, is to receive that gift, right? And around this time of year, we receive all kinds of gifts, right? Um, and the natural response to those gifts is to open them up and say, thank you so much. I appreciate the gift and, uh, and to, to, to use that gift, right? I mean, that's the natural response to it. But can you imagine receiving a gift from somebody and just never opening it? Just never opening it, right? Here's how the scenario goes out. You get the gift. The person gives it to you, and you don't open it immediately, which is a little strange. And then you, the person who gave it to you sees you a few days later and like, hey, did you open my present? And you're like, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. i just been so busy. I really don't like surprises or opening things, so I put it off. And they say, oh, that's okay. Well, I'll get to it this week. And so you, you, you put it off, and then they see you a week later, and they're like, hey, did you, did you open my present? And they're kind of bouncing in their seat because they know what's inside. They know it's a blessing. They know it's going to be good. You're like, no, no, I'm sorry. Just busy week, you know, watching TV or some other thing. Can you imagine? And so this goes on back and forth with the person. It kind of gets awkward after some time, right? Like the person who gave you the gift and you just haven't opened it. It's like it's, you come over to their house and you visit and you play cards and it's still sitting on the counter. It's kind of collecting dust. And you can see it's been moved from one place to the next. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Has anybody ever done this before? Maybe? I don't know. Never experienced it? <laughs> I'm a bad friend. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I didn't do it. No, I was making, I was raising my hand so you wouldn't feel uncomfortable raising yours. Yeah, it wasn't me. I, I haven't done it. But <clears throat> so you promise to do it. It just gets awkward, and as time goes by, you realize that you didn't really give them the gift because they didn't receive it. They haven't opened it up. They haven't taken it out of its box. They haven't seen what a blessing it could be to them. Right and. They don't know the benefits of it because they just never got around to opening it. And so there are a lot of people in this world who have never heard about the gift of Christ but, or who have heard about the gift of Christ, but they've, they've never received it. They've never opened it. They've never dove in to see what it's all about. They've just never received it. And, um, you know, as kids, our parents, they carefully instruct us as to what we're supposed to do when we get presents, Right. They're, you're, they're going over, and you can see, they, they get this flash in their eyes. At least my parents did. We're driving, you know, in our little, little Chevette on our way over to, to wherever it is we were going to the Christmas party, right? Did somebody else have a Chevette in here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a little car. And you know what? We laid in the back of the Chevette, right? Like, put, that, put the seat down and just kind of laid there and watched the stars out of that humongous back glass. No seatbelts. No seatbelts. Nobody cared. No, I'm just kidding. My mom's right there. She did care, but, but we did. We, did. we laid there and just watched things. And you'd see the flash in their eyes, and they'd turn around and say, you better, you better, when you open that present, you better look at whoever gave it to you, and you better say thank you, and you better be happy. I don't care if it's socks and underwear. You better be happy. That's it. I don't care if it's a dollar. You better act like it's the biggest dollar you've ever gotten in your life, right? And so our parents carefully instruct us what we're supposed to do, at least. And, and I, I, in turn, have done that to my kids. I, I swear I will take that from you. I will give it to some kid who will be happy. 
don't you, don't, don't you. And so we teach our kids that they need to be grateful, and, and our parents taught us that too. <clears throat> I want to tell you this, that, that, uh, that as far as this, this unwrapping the gift goes, though, I have, uh, for me, I, I actually bought a present for my in-laws last year for Christmas. And uh, it was an Apple TV. Anybody know what Apple TV is? It's like, it's awesome. It's how we run our, our system here, and it's, it's how I run my system at the house. And it's cool, right? I've got all Apple products, and everything integrates nicely, and my music plays across, and my parents have one because I have one, and I'm so excited about the Apple TV. So I bought one for my in-laws. And I'm like, this is so cool. And I gave it to them, and they open it up, and they're like, well, it says Apple on it, so I know uh, it's cool, but like, what is it? It's a little black box. They have no idea what to do with it. And, um, and so it gets set to the side. And so I call them like a month later. We leave. They live in Kentucky, so I don't see them very often. And I call them, I'm like, hey, how are you guys liking your Apple TV? Oh, uh, we, we, we haven't really even tried it yet. What do you mean you haven't tried it yet? You've got iPhones, you've got iPads, and you haven't tried it. No, we, we actually haven't even installed it yet. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? I can walk you through it. Just give me a call whenever you've got some time. I'll walk you through how to do it. Sure. Thanks, Aaron. We appreciate it. No phone call. I call a couple months later. Hey, are you guys enjoying your Apple TV? We, we still haven't put it. So it's, it's this cat and mouse game back and forth. So now I'm not saying anything about it. We finally get down there in the middle of the summertime. That Apple TV is still sitting wrapped in its cellophane, sitting next to the TV. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. You can't just, you know, they don't even have the controller out. It doesn't work that way. And so I installed it for them and showed it to them. I'm still not sure that they have used it. I'm still not sure. I hooked up their Netflix account on it and everything. I'm like, this is wonderful. But they don't know the benefit of it because they haven't used it. They haven't integrated their iPhone or their iPad. I've showed them that it was you could put your video games and your pictures and your videos up on the screen from their devices, but they're not engaging in it, right? So here's what I want you to do. We can all think of, uh, of gifts that we get that's kind of unexpected. You don't really know what to do with them, right? Maybe they overwhelmed you. So what I want you to do is take a second. I want you to turn to somebody on your right or your left, and I want you to uh, think of a gift that totally caught you off guard. Maybe it took you off guard because it was so generous or maybe because you didn't know what to do with it. But take a moment, do that now. Find somebody and tell something. Tell them something that you got as a gift. It doesn't have to be around Christmas time. And go. Do it. All right. Bring it in, bring it in, folks, bring it in. So it's pretty simple, right? It's easy to think of an unexpected gift that you got, something maybe you didn't know what to do with. Or, but isn't it amazing that, that though Christ was like predicted for hundreds and hundreds of years, that when he arrived, he still took this world off guard. They weren't ready for him. They didn't know. And God gave his son to this world, and the scriptures teach us how, how to unwrap and receive that gift of Christ, right? So the gift of salvation is available. Christ came down from heaven. He became like us. He lived a perfect life, died an atoning death, and he conquered the grave. And because of that, we too can become heirs to the heavenly kingdom uh, of God. And to those who believe, they have the right to become children of God. So how do we receive this gift? 
Well, there's a couple ways we can receive this gift. The first way we receive the gift, we should receive the gift with gratitude because you didn't pay for it, right? It's a gift you didn't pay for. You ever feel awkward because you receive an unexpected gift or you give a gift to someone who gives you a gift that is greater in value than the gift you've given them, right? And so you check your bank account or even you're looking at your gift and you're like, wow, this is just not like anywhere close to what they're giving me, right? Like, you know, I've got an armload of things or a brand new car and I bought you some earrings from Kohl's. So it's like, you know, it's like it's nothing, nothing reciprocal. And it's not that they're giving you this generous gift in order to get a gift back or to get something like it back, but it's really the heart that counts, right? It's like, it's, it's always the thought that counts, right? Or the, the heart behind it. You really wanted to bless them. You just weren't able to bless them the way that they were able to bless you. And so... Uh, you know, you give it, and, and, and um, but the cost of it is not even in the same hemisphere, right? But it is what it is, and if you, your gift to them is from your heart, it doesn't matter. So you express genuine thanks or gratitude uh, from your heart that you received what you did and that you didn't have to pay for it. Uh, instead, it was a gift, and so you receive it graciously. Uh, I said earlier in John 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us on the That first Christmas, when God took that form of flesh, left heaven, and came to earth, there's nothing we can give to God that would impress him or match his generosity. Uh, And after all, the God of the universe can wiggle his nose and create a mountain range. He can flick his finger and put a rainbow in the sky. I mean, what can we possibly give to him or what can we possibly do for him in response to or that would make him or motivate him into giving us this great gift? There's nothing we can give him back was greater than the gift that he gave us, right? But even though we can't match that gift he gave us, he wants to know that we appreciate the gift. He wants us to say thank you. He's looking for our gratitude. He's looking for our obedience. He's looking for our love, and he's looking for our devotion in response to that gift. And that's our greatest response, right? So the gift of Jesus is one that should be received with gratitude. And, uh, this is the, exactly the kind of response that I expect from my kids, right? It doesn't matter what I do for my kids. I always look to them to say, thanks, Dad, right? I, I, that simple phrase lets me know that they appreciate my sacrifice of time, my love, my investment in them, in our relationship, investment in their happiness and their fun. All I want from them in return is to say, thanks. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for doing it. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's heartfelt or if it's with a hug. It doesn't matter if it's with a high five. I don't care. I just want to hear him say thank you. That's it. I want to hear that gratitude expressed. And that's what God comes to expect from us. That's what he wants us to do is just say thanks. So we receive that gift that he gave us with gratitude. And we say thanks. The second way you receive this gift is we should receive the gift with humility because you can't afford it. You can't afford the gift that's Jesus. If you had to pay for it, there's no way you could pay for it. The gift of Christ, though, does motivate us to give. And so out of response to that great gift, we operate out of humility and we give back. One of the very first acts of this church was to find a way to give back immediately to the community. It was before we ever held any kind of church services here in this building. We were just meeting in my home and, you know, there's 60 people, most of those kids, running around my house. It was awesome. It was fun. 
And we decided we were going to give back, find a way to do that. And so we immediately connected with the community, and we connected with a food pantry. And that food pantry is called Heart. It's up off of Broad Street, and it serves this community. If you ever need food or if you ever need connected there, we're happy to connect you there as a church. But we connected with them. Instead of making our own food pantry, we said, you guys are doing awesome. We want to support you, and so we do. And the very first, uh, within the first 10 weeks of us deciding to do that, we were able to give them over 1,000 pounds of food. A thousand pounds. Just, you know, when we're talking about adults here, we're talking like 15, maybe 20 adults, right? Is that about right? Anybody remember? Is that about right? 15 to 20? There's nobody, nobody remembers. Okay. 15, 20 adults over, over 10 weeks gave a thousand pounds of food. And then after that, we were personally challenged to all begin giving financially and sowing into, into that heart food pantry. And then the church itself we, we decided a certain percentage of every dollar that comes into this building goes to the food pantry to help support the people in this community. And then we were like, all right, now we got to get out there and we got to go serve in the food pantry. And so our families began to serve there. One of our, one of our members is, is on the board of the food pantry, uh, the operations board. And so we engaged with that because we wanted to be able to give back, to live a life that's in response to the gift that Jesus gave us. You have to give back. Right? There's a, there's a saying that says, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Right? And so we found a way to connect and to give back. And, and I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever served at a food pantry before. Anybody here ever done that before? Serving at a food pantry is like the most humbling experience ever. It is a gift that you can't get anywhere else. And it's not because you're, you're sad for people. It's because the people who come in are truly broken and they're in need. And they come in, and, and this particular food pantry is not one that just gives you a box of food and sends you on your way. This food pantry has a cart, and the, they assign us as volunteers to shop with them. And we walk around, and we shop with them, and they have aisles of food that they can choose from. It's, it's, they fill up their basket, and when they're done filling up their basket and you walk with them, you bag up their groceries, you give them fresh produce, and, and, and you bag up their groceries. And, and I don't know if they were doing this before we got there, but we just, we just help them out to their cars. And we load them up in their cars. And the people are so grateful. They're so thankful. There's, they've already had to humble themselves to come and ask for help in the first place. But that exchange is so beautiful that I, I have to encourage you, if you've never served in a food pantry before, please go. Please go. It will change you more than it changes them. I promise you. And so we go and we're, we're doing this and this exchange is so beautiful. And then, I, you know, th- this is something I do. I encourage people to do it, that serve, but I pray with them. Because not only are we going to meet their physical needs, but there's obviously a spiritual need that needs to be met. And so as I'm walking them out to their car, I say, God bless you. Is there anything I can pray with you about? And they just stop in their tracks. And they just stop. Because you care about them. To ask somebody if you can pray for them goes beyond giving them food. I care about you, not just your tummy. I care about your heart. I care about your eternal destiny. It's a level above. And so when you ask them if you, pray, if you can pray for them, if you've never asked somebody, hey, can I pray for you? Is there anything that's bugging you? Anything, anything that, that you need prayer for? When you do that to somebody, it engages them on a completely different level. So I want to encourage you, try that this week. You'll knock somebody's socks off. Because the people that, that respond, what's the worst they can do? Is say, no, I'm good. Because you get those kind of responses, right? I get those kind of responses. But there was a guy who I didn't even know. He was happy. He was, he was happy to get the food. He was in good spirits. He was joking with everybody. And I said, can I pray with you? And his head just hung. And he said, man, 
It's my second time going through rehab. I'm an alcoholic. I could really use prayer for that. He said, and obviously my situation, I'm here at the food pantry. I said, yeah, I get that. And, and he, he slapped me on the back and, and then walked away. That was my indication I was not praying right then and there. But I've had other people say, yeah, let's pray. And they grab my hands and pray. And we pray for them right then on the spot. And with tears in their eyes, they hug you. And they receive that gift with humility. They receive that gift. They're like, thank you so much. I've even had them turn around and say, now I'm praying for you. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Because I'm not going to turn down prayer. Let's do it. They want to return that with prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to receive it. But watching that, that reception of your gift, of the gift that the community that we have for the, the community, for the people, they receive it with humility. And that's how we need to receive the gift of Christ. It's with humility. Because we can't afford it. And they're there because they can't afford food. They're there because they need help, right? And we have such a hard time asking for help. We have such a hard time receiving the things that we can't afford. But Jesus is one of those gifts. We cannot, receive, we cannot afford him. And we have to humble ourselves in order to receive it. Have you ever noticed how some people have a hard time receiving gifts? Right? Especially uh, if they're not accustomed to being on the receiving end of the charity. Uh, in the past few years, our economy and job markets have just tanked. And so people have found themselves in positions of needing to ask for things. And they've never been in that position before. And it's difficult for them. And they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to receive. They have a hard time getting the help that they need to. But they put in a position to have to humbly receive And people have trouble doing that. They feel ashamed. But humility is an honorable quality. It's an honorable thing. Let people help you. Let the community help you. Let the people of God surround you. Let this church surround you and love on you in ways. Humility is a good thing. It's a good thing. It's an admirable thing. And it's good practice in the way that we receive Jesus Christ. It's a gift that we can't afford either and sure don't deserve. So no money, no wealth, no fame could buy what God gave. And I agree with the Apostle Paul when he says that in 2 Corinthians 9.15, he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The gift of Jesus is indescribable. You can't even begin to put words to all that he's done. I don't know if you've ever tried to. If you're, you're at home and you've just tried to thank him and say, you know what, thank you for this. I could find myself just saying thank you for like a hundred different ways of just the gift of salvation or, or forgiveness or coming to earth. I, I can get stuck right there in just the gift of Jesus. Thanking God for that gift because he's indescribable. He, the way he has touched my life and blessed so many of yours is beautiful. And so this, this, this verse that when Paul is talking about, that's a direct reference to Jesus Christ. And the first Christmas was the giving of this gift. <clears throat> and my wife asked me for a gift that, uh, for Christmas that uh, I normally wouldn't get her. It was very expensive. And she asked for it. She asked for it at the beginning of the year. I'm like, we just had Christmas, and you want your gift already for Christmas, like this year? She's like, yeah, I want it a little early. She said, but I know it's going to be a big gift. I know it's going to be expensive, and I want it early. And just because it's so expensive, we'll go ahead and call it my birthday. It'll it'll cover anniversary, and it'll cover Christmas. I said, throw in Valentine's Day, and we're good. You got a deal. And uh, and because, you know, if I can just knock it all out with one, I'm going to, right? And so, men, take a lesson. Do it, okay? You'll be thankful you did. 
And because uh, you, then you don't get in trouble all year long. Actually, you will because you'll show up Valentine's Day and not have anything. No, no. Remember, we got that thing. And they're like, uh-huh, whatever. They still want some jewelry. They still want some chocolates and flowers. They still want it. Okay, so just know that, that it sounds like a good idea. And all the guys in the room, I just watched you. You all were like, yep, that's great. It's a trap. It is a trap. Okay, let me just tell you. And for anybody, really. For anybody, really. It's, it, you know. It is a trap, but my wife, my wife wanted this gift, and so we said, yep, we'll do it, and I said, you know what, I'll even throw my birthday in, this, it really turned out to be more expensive than we thought it was going to be, and so I said, we'll throw my birthday present, my anniversary, I'll even sacrifice my Christmas, that's fine, excuse me, that's fine, but, um, and, and so we did it this one year, and, uh, and then Shanda decided to break the rules, we even confirmed, like, weeks before Christmas, I said, we're not getting each other gifts, right, and so it's finally to the Christmas, she's already had the gift, we've already put it in the house, it's done, and... She says, yep, we're not getting gifts, but this little stinker bent the rules. See, I forgot about stockings. I forgot about stockings, and so she went and bought me a few gifts and put them in my stockings. She said, you didn't say anything about stockings. That's the stocking. That's not really a gift. It's not wrapped under the tree. I said, what? Ever. So here I look like a jerk on Christmas because my kids are up to their elbows in presents and stockings and candy, and she even got me something, but I didn't get her anything. She had nothing, and she was sad panda that day. She was sad, sad, so sad. And, uh, and I'm, I learned something that day. Women are trickers. No, that's not what I learned. That's not what I learned. That's not what I learned. I, I, learned, that, I learned that there are rules that could be bent in this situation. So the next year she tries to do it again. We did this two years in a row. She said, I want this flooring. I've got to have this flooring. And here again is an expensive gift. You know, it's going to cost us, I, I want to say, well, it doesn't matter how much. It was just expensive. She wanted this flooring in our house and... And, uh, and I said, yeah, that's fine. We can do, we can do this room. And then, then it turned into that room. And then it turned into that room. And then it turned into that one. So the whole first floor got done. And, uh, and, and then my bathroom got done upstairs. So, uh, so it was this big gift again. But I learned this year. I'm going to get her a stocking this year. right? And I thought, you know, I could put really expensive gifts in there or get her some jewelry. I could do that. But instead, I went and bought a bunch of lip balms and packs of gum, and uh, Reese's King Cups. I don't know if you guys have seen these, but a full pound of Reese's. Reese's yeah. Yeah, there's two of them, and they are huge. They're awesome. And, uh, and it's a full pound. I mean, like, I don't know why this exists, but it does. And uh, we are Americans. Thank you. That's why, that's why it exists, I guess. And, uh, and so, so I filled her stocking. And she had, before this year, I'd never, ever given her a stocking before, right? Never, ever have. And so we get there, and of course, my stocking is filled, again, with gifts. And, uh, and we all empty our stockings. She didn't even look at hers. She didn't look at hers because she wasn't expecting the gift. She wasn't looking for anything to be there because we've been married eight years, and the first year I did it was like two years ago, right? So this is six years of me just not paying attention. Not really bright. Got to tell me directly, okay? I'm just saying. And, uh, and so... <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and so everybody's got their presents open. And I'm like, well, you didn't open your stocking. She said, I don't, I don't get a stocking. And I said, we did this year. And boy, I'm so glad I did that because you've never seen somebody so happy in all of her life to have lip balm. Burt's Bees and some bubble gum. And that did it for her, right? But I packed it jam-packed because she likes that stuff, right? She loves it. And so she was thankful because I got all of her favorites and even some kinds, new kinds for her. But this, is, this, this was... 
such a small thing, but it was the unexpected gift. It took her off guard. And, and I'm happy to give her the more expensive one because I was going to buy her some jewelry. But then I, I looked in the checkbook and I remembered how expensive the flooring was. And I said, no, she's getting, she's getting bubble gum and, and lip balm. And, uh, and so, <laughs> and so but, but I, don't mind, I don't mind it because it, the flooring is one of those gifts that keeps on giving. If you've ever been in my house, one of the things you will notice is the flooring. And everybody says something about it. Everybody does. I'm not telling you to come to my house and say something about it. I'm just telling you that's what everybody does. They come in and they look at the floor and they go, wow, look at that. That's really cool. And, it's, and she's like, yeah. You know, and she starts her story and it just makes her happy. To me, it's the gift that, keep, that keeps on giving, right? It's one of those indescribable gifts. I couldn't have planned anything better myself. And all she had to do was tell me she wanted it. Right? It's perfect. It's perfect. And so there are times that, uh, that, that when gifts that you have given take on a life of their own. And so this flooring is one of those things for me. Right? It's taken on a life of its own. She's continuing to reap the benefits of the gift, the one gift that she got. And, uh, and I already appreciate the sacrifice and the, 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 the financial disciplines it took to buy that flooring because it's one of those gifts that just keeps on giving. And, uh, and, and so this gift to me was useful, it was reliable, and it was meaningful, and it provided fulfillment. And we're all like that too, not just with physical gifts, but with spiritual gifts, right? I, I know people that when they first come to Christ, their understanding uh, is very shallow, it's very elementary, right? Uh, as it is for all of us. And to them, Christianity was something they did to get their parents off their backs uh, or to do something that was socially acceptable for your kids to be in a, a structured spiritual environment. Like, yeah, I want the kids to go to church. You know, I don't really care about it myself, but I want my kids to go there, you know. And, and so you go to church for an hour, you say some prayer, and you're good for the week, right? That's it. You sing a few songs. But something happened over the course of the 2, 10, or 20 years. You begin to realize how important this gift is in Christ. You begin to realize how important it is and what Christ actually did for you. And and then when you do that, once you begin to realize that gift and you begin to respond to that gift, you always wind up with some some adversity. Maybe it's a controversial science teacher or a major conflict in your marriage or the death of a loved one. You begin to realize that Christianity is more than a quick fix. It's a way of life. It's putting your trust in someone who can carry you through for decades, right? And it doesn't get any better than Jesus. You start with Jesus. You stay with Jesus. You finish with Jesus. There's nothing better than that. Nothing. Nothing. So we receive the gift of Christ. We receive it with gratitude. We receive it with humility. And finally, the last way we, we should receive it, we should receive the gift with joy because you don't deserve it. This is not a gift that we deserve, you know, but, and neither do I, right? So going back to our text in John 1, 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This is like the biggest part of this verse. When you read this verse as, as a casual reader, you would read this and say, oh, okay, well, so we're becoming children of God. That's like a spiritual thing. You know, we're all Christians, right? But this is not just talking about gaining, you know, my name's Aaron DeLong Christian, like getting that, right? And we're talking about a complete name change. We're talking about a complete change. If you've not been adopted before, or if you've never been adopted, then, then you won't understand this. But this verse is actually adoption language, right? This is, this is adoption language. I'm adopted personally. Well, partially, right? My parents are divorced and my mom remarried. And so my dad, my stepfather adopted me. My, my father was absent most of my young life. And my stepfather who was already there, had been there since I was, I don't know, one or two, I want to say, stepped in and said, I I want to adopt him. I want to take him and make him officially mine. And so this is adoption language here. And and we are totally powerless to enter into a relationship 
with God as his children, outside of him calling us, outside of him choosing us, right? But in order to become a child of God, one has to receive the gift that he offers in his son first. So this is, this is about being adopted into the family. The gift that God gave us is something we receive with joy because one moment we were, child, we were fatherless and the next we now have a spiritual father, one with unending wealth, one with unending power, one who cannot be challenged, never changes, never lies, will never leave us, will never forsake us. We get a new God or a new, a new daddy, right? And so it's only when we receive that Christ that we become this child of God. And so I'm adopted, right? My biological parents, uh, oh, I said that already. My, my parents are, are separated. Um, and, and if we don't read this verse with, with the adoption language, we, we miss out on the beauty of the whole thing. Um, if you were adopted, you get this scripture. You know what it feels like to be taken unexpectedly by someone. To be taken in. You know what? You were probably small if you were adopted. You were probably small. It didn't bring a whole lot to the table, right? Didn't have anything to offer the people that adopted you. There was nothing when I, I, I don't remember the age I was adopted. Uh, was I five or six? Mom, I'm looking at you. I was six years old when I was adopted, right? And, and my stepdad said, I'm, I'm going to adopt him. I'm going to be officially, legally become his father. And, and for those of you who have adopted children, you've done the same, right? But I was, I was adopted and engrafted into this family. My, my name is Aaron Ferguson before, but now it's Aaron DeLong. My dad said, I, I want to adopt you. I want to take you. And so I didn't have anything to offer him. I had nothing by way of, you know, he wasn't going to put me in a slave house and make me work. It's not, that's not what it was about. It wasn't about saying, all right, now that I've adopted you, you're going to clean your room every week. You're going to do what I tell you because I've adopted you. I now own you. You become my slave or my servant. And that's not how, what happened. That's not what adoption is about. It's totally undeserved. And someone reaches out in love and says, we want you in our family. In Romans 8.15, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves, right? doesn't make us slaves or servants to this person who adopted us, so that you live in fear again. We were in fear because we had no parents, spiritually, or if you were adopted physically. You live in fear. These, the foster kids that will come into our home, my parents fostered for years, and the kids that will come into our home, they fear. They fear because when will I see my family again? They don't know what their next day is going to be like. They don't know where their next meal will be spent. They know they'll have a meal, or at least I think they know. But they don't know where their next day is going to be. And there's fear that comes with that. So you're not adopted. You, you, don't, you don't receive the spirit to make you a slave so that you fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is not just a crazy, awesome Swedish dance pop a disco group that formed in 1972 with such classic hits as Dancing Queen and Fernando, selling over 381 million albums and singles, garnering a sweltering tide of fans that led to the creation of a hit musical and a movie called Mamma Mia. No, ABBA, you're welcome. I did a lot of work for that right there. There was some research that went into that. Practice and rehearse that. ABBA means daddy. And this verse says that we get to, because we've become sons, we get, to be call, we get to call him daddy. If you were to walk around Jerusalem today, the children that are running in the streets would say Abba. Because it's not just father. We, we know fathers. We, we, we get that. You can father a child, right? Anybody, any man can father a child or, or give birth to, not give birth, but, you know, create one is what I'm saying. But, but daddy is something that's a little more intimate, isn't it? Daddy's intimate. You know, my kids, my kids will call me daddy sometimes. They say dad. None of them walk up and say father. 
They call me dad. They call me daddy, right? And that's a very intimate, that's a very personal thing. And we get to do that because we are adopted. When we say yes to Christ, when we receive that, we get adopted into his family. And that's the relationship we get to have with God. Sonship literally means that you have all the full and legal rights of adoption, of being in that family. There's no question that you belong to God the Father. And we struggle with this concept because we feel like we have to earn everything. Have you guys ever seen the movie Annie? There's some musical Annie. I love musicals, by the way. You'll learn that about me. I'm a big nerd and, and like Star Wars and all that. But I also like musicals as well. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. I kind of swing a lot of different ways here. I like it. I like it. So Annie is this musical, and, and she walks in, and she's supposed to spend a weekend with, with Mr. Warbucks, the richest guy. And she walks in, and the first thing she does is what? Does anybody remember? Anybody remember this moment? Nobody, nobody's a big fan. That, what? She washes the floors. She reaches into the bucket and picks up a sponge and squeezes it out and says, I'll start right here. And the, teacher says, or the lady says, no, what are you doing? She says, you're our guest. You're our guest here. And Annie says, well, how am I going to earn my keep? And that's the question we ask God. It's the, that's what we do in response to gifts, right? We go, how are we going to earn our keep? How can we earn this? How can I try to keep this, right? We struggle with that. And it's because we've been trained, though. We've been trained since we were kids, right? And, and I'm just going to ruin it for you. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. I didn't mess up any of those lines, right? I'm good? I'm good. All right. But we've been trained since we were little kids that if we are naughty, we don't get anything. If we're nice, oh, we do. But the gift of Christ has nothing to do with whether we are naughty or whether we're nice. It has nothing to do with that. We don't have to earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's to be given to us, and we are to take joy in it, and we have to reject that training. We have to reject that mindset that says, I've got to earn this, because there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing I can do to earn it. We don't deserve it. It's given, and it's given out of grace. But the Bible says he gave us the right to become children, and the word that he uses is didami. I'm going to mess that up. I, I don't know. We talked about how the Bible is originally, or didami, 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 that's it, didami. Thank you. I'm getting shakes, yeah, no, like this, just looks, and I can tell I've got it wrong. Didami, and so the Bible is written in Greek and Hebrew, and so that, that word there is didami, and it, which is a word that means a deliberate transfer of one person to another where something or someone becomes available to the recipient. In other words, Christ is the gift, and he becomes available to those who are adopted into the family. A great way of summarizing this verse is like this. God is the giver. The recipients are the believers who receive or accept the gift of Jesus, which in turn gives them the right or the privilege to become children of God, heirs to his kingdom. Uh, my parents adopted uh, my sister here, Raven. Say hi to everybody. This is my sister, Raven. And they adopted her a few years ago, and they're on their way to adopting another one, right? That's not, that's not, a, what's that? The 19th of this month, this, is, this will be my sister Lynn right here, and they're adopting Lynn, and, uh, and these are children who, who may have been destined to spend the rest of their lives in foster homes. They may have been destined to not know where their next night was going to be or if they would ever see their families again, but they got adopted. They were adopted into a family. My parents said to them, and I'm so thankful, they looked at these young ladies and said, we love you. And there's nothing you can do to earn that. There's nothing you can do to get that. We love you. Now, they want you to do your chores, and they want you to clean up, your, clean up after yourselves. But there's nothing you can do when you're adopted 
to earn that gift. And my family said, we love you. We want you to know love. We want you to experience stability. We want you to know what it's like to not have fear anymore. To have peace. And, and all the love, and they, and they get all that. Not just, just that, but they get a new last name. That's not just all they get. All the, all the love and encouragement that I received as a child is now also being poured into them. Children who were once poor and destitute had nothing, had nothing. In a moment, become wealthy and grounded in a family because they got, of adoption. Because of adoption. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. This gift that Jesus gave us, is, that God gave us in Jesus is beautiful. In time, these kids are going to realize that the greatest things in life are not physical things. And they're going to learn that because of their exposure to Christ. They're going to learn that because they're going to be in Sunday school. They're going to be sitting in here in service. They're going to be exposed to things they may not have been exposed to before. And the kids will begin to act out of a new identity. See, when you, when you get a new identity, for me, if my father, my, my father, my dad, Steve DeLong, he hadn't adopted me, I may have grown up with a warped sense of what it meant to be a father. Now, I'm not saying that because he adopted me, I'm a better man than my biological father. That's not what I'm saying at all. This is not a comparison game, and don't put me in that trap. I'm not better than him, but I am a better man. I am a better man. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better friend. Because somebody adopted me. Because somebody took me in and said, I love you. And so I got a new identity. See, I had an identity. And it was marked to be warped. It was marked for destruction. But I was adopted. I was brought in. And a man loved me. He said, I want to be your dad. You've done nothing to earn this. I want to be your dad. And I want to love you. And I get to be, and I get to be different. And these guys will be the same. And the same thing happens when we accept Christ. We get this new identity. We get a dad. And we get to be different because he changes us. When you receive that kind of gift of love... It changes who you are. It changes you forever. I would shudder to think of who I would have become if I hadn't been adopted. And I want to tell you this, that we all have this opportunity today to receive that kind of gift. You say, Aaron, did you do this whole service so that you could ask or give an invitation to Jesus? Yep. Absolutely. Jesus is everything, folks. He is everything to me. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're one big imperfect family. Imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. This whole message today has brought us to this point. We have an opportunity to receive the gift of Jesus. To receive it gratefully. To receive it humbly. To receive it joyfully. As Galatians 4, 4 through 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And that's what it's all about. You have that chance today. You do that by believing that Jesus is God's son. You confess his name before others. You repent of your sins, acknowledging you aren't perfect, but he is. You humble yourself by being baptized into Christ. You aren't immersed into a church, but you are baptized into Jesus. Right? The very one who is giving you this gift. And then you be faithful to the point of death. Then God gives us the crown of life. That's what happens. We all get, we get a ticket to heaven. That's what also comes with this adoption. Not just a father who loves us, 
But we also get a ticket to heaven. That's bonus, man. That's bonus with, with eternity. And so this morning, adoption papers are here. And they've been there for some time. They've been here ready for you for some time. Some of you may put this moment off. You may say, you know what? The holidays are coming up. New Year's Eve is coming up. I'm partying. I'm going to do some things. I know what my future is going to look like. I know what my next couple weeks look like. So I'm putting this off. This is a great thing because I know that to accept adoption means and requires of me to live a different life. And I'm not going to do it today. I'll be back in a couple weeks, Aaron. I promise. For those of you that are there and are thinking that, let me tell you very clearly that the Bible says tomorrow is promised to no man. Our life is but a vapor. Nothing. We're here for a second and then we're gone. You're not guaranteed to walk out this door and come back in two weeks. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your opportunity to be adopted. You say, Aaron, you're trying to scare me. I would to God that I could scare you. But you know that's not what I'm trying to do. I've spent this today, all of today, describing the beautiful gift of love that Christ has for us, that God has for us in his son. And I spent the last few weeks building to this. If you've never crossed that line of faith, and you want to today. You can. And when you do, you enter in as a son and as a daughter. So today, if you want to receive that gift of salvation, if you want to enter into a Christian family, into a, a life of sonship or, or being a daughter, we're going to pray. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. If that's you today, and you want to take that step of faith, and accept Christ. Admit that you're not perfect, but he is. Repent of your sins. It's not a bad place to be. It's a great place to be. If that's you and you're in this room, would you? nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you raise your hand and let me know you're here? You say, Aaron, I, that's me. I don't want to wait on this anymore. I've put it off too long. I want to enter into relationship with Christ. I want to know him. I want to say, Abba, Dad. I want to be part of another family. And I'm assuming if your hands aren't up, it's because you already aren't, and that I can rejoice, and I can go home and, and celebrate that, and I will celebrate that. I celebrate that with you. So I'm going to pray for you, and then we're, we'll, uh, we'll dismiss in a moment. Father, thank you for the gift that we get to receive in Jesus. Help us, God. Help us to receive that gift with gratitude, gratefully. To receive it humbly, God. To receive it in a way that, that we know we, this, this is not something we can earn ourselves. Can't afford it. And to let that humility permeate our lives. Change who we are. And Lord, help us to receive Christ joyfully. <laughs> there's so much to inherit in the kingdom of heaven. Freedom. Freedom from addiction. Fellowship. Peace. Joy. Things we can't buy and we can't get anywhere else. Father, I pray over this word that we've heard today. May it take root in our hearts. Let us live lives that are changed because of your love. Lord, and I pray for those that, that, that didn't raise their hands, that have not taken part in this yet, that have said, ah, fooey, I'll be back next week. I'll show him. 
Lord, I pray that they, I pray that they can. I pray that they have grace to come. But I know that we're not promised that. But I ask for it anyway. We thank you, God, for your gift in Jesus. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, for people that are wearing badges just like this,